but we're continuing our study tonight on Hebrews called Jesus the mediator of a New Testament or the mediator of a new covenant. Well, let's continue in Hebrews 9, chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, as we look at the items inside and outside of the tabernacle and how they pointed to Jesus and this New Testament of grace. So now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up in its first room of the tabernacle where the lampstand and the table with its consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain, that's what I want us to look at. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place. So there was a very thick curtain, sometimes called a veil, that separated the holy place from the most holy place. The most holy place contained the Ark of the Covenant, where the Ten Commandments were placed, among a a few other items. The holy place contained the lampstand, the, the table, the consecrated bread. Behind the second curtain, which was the most holy place. Let's take a look at the second curtain. When Jesus died on the cross, Luke chapter 23, verses 44 through 45 says the following. It was about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple, that's the curtain that's referred to here in Hebrews 9.3, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. What's the symbolism there? Behind the curtain was the most holy place. In front of the curtain was the holy place. The most holy place symbolized the presence of God. And the holy place was separated from the most holy place. So there was a separation from humanity and God because of sin. When Jesus died for our sins on this wooden cross, when the bread of life gave himself for our sins in his death, he died for our sins. It says the curtain in the temple was torn in two. There's symbolism there that the way to God was fully opened, that there was no more barrier of sin between God and humanity because on the body of Jesus, sin was placed. And we read about in John chapter 129, and we read about in Colossians 2, 13 and 14, that our sins were taken away, nailed to the cross. So the way to God was now clear. The way to God was open. There's a new way of relating to God now because of what Jesus did on the cross. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 21. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place. Now, remember, the curtain separated the most holy place, the presence of God, from the holy place. That curtain was ripped in two. That curtain was torn in two at three o'clock in the afternoon following the death of Jesus, symbolizing that the way to God had no barrier anymore. That's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 18 and 19, it says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting our sins against us. That's the curtain being removed. There's no barrier between God and humanity anymore. Reconciliation has taken place. God has come all the way to mankind. God has reconciled himself to us by removing this sin barrier. Now he leaves each individual person 
with a choice to make, do they want to be reconciled to God? Because reconciliation is a two-way street. Somebody can come all the way, which God has done by removing our sin, and he leaves each of us with the decision, do I want to place my faith in Jesus and what he's done and enter into a relationship with God? There can never be a separation between us. So the curtain was removed. The curtain was torn, symbolizing sin could never prevent a person from coming into a relationship with God because the sin had been nailed to the cross with Jesus and the curtain had been torn in two. So Hebrews 10, 19 through 20. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, that symbolism, the very presence of God, we have confidence to enter the very presence of God by the blood of Jesus. So the source of our confidence in enjoying the presence of God in our lives is the blood of Jesus that was poured out for us from the cross. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew and what Jesus said in Luke when he was talking about this New Testament coming into effect. This is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins, the cleansing from sins, for your sin debt to be paid in full. Well, this is New Testament language here in Hebrews 10, 19 through 21. The writer of Hebrews is just explaining what Jesus presented to his disciples in the upper room about him giving his life for the New Testament of grace. Hebrews 10, 19 through 21. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, no fear, just confidence, to enter the most holy place, the very presence of God by the blood of Jesus. The source of our confidence is the blood of Jesus. And what has the blood of Jesus done for us? Forgiven all of our sins, cleansed us from all sin. Now I can be confident in going into a relationship with God because my sins aren't being counted against me. My confidence is in the cross of Jesus, that wooden table in the tabernacle symbolized the cross of Jesus. The bread symbolized the body of Jesus. My confidence is in Jesus and what he's done for me on the cross. What I've discovered for many believers, and it was true for myself for a while, was my confidence was in myself. That when I had a quiet time, I felt good about my relationship with God. But when I didn't have a quiet time, I felt bad about my relationship with God. When I kept a short account on sins, I felt good about my relationship with God. But when I failed to keep a short account on sins, I didn't feel good about my relationship with God. But when I realized that my sin account was nailed to the cross with Jesus, I began to realize I don't have to keep a short account on sins because there is no account on sins anymore. God's not keeping an account of our sins. He's not keeping a record of our sins. David says in the book of Psalms, if God kept a record of our sins, who could stand? Nobody. So I was keeping a record of my sins while God wasn't because my sin record was nailed to the cross. So my confidence was based upon my ability to try to remember my sins and confess them so I could be forgiven and be in fellowship with God. So my confidence was not in the blood of Jesus. My confidence was in myself. Some days I felt good about my relationship with God, and some days I didn't. It all depended upon how well I was doing in this legalistic religious system that I was a part of that is propagated in so many churches now and so many Christian organizations. Our confidence is in the blood of Jesus, 
that's how we can enjoy a relationship with God because the blood of Jesus has forgiven all sins and cleansed from all sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, interesting terminology there. We'll get that in just a minute. By a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. Who has enabled us to have confidence and to enjoy the very presence of God in our lives? Jesus. The curtain, the body of Jesus. Jesus took the sin of humanity upon himself and paved the way. The curtain was then opened, torn in half. The body of Jesus was broken for us. Remember the bread, broken. Or the bread torn in half, the curtain torn in half. The body of Jesus took our death penalty upon himself. So our confidence in relating to God is not about our ability to follow a religious system, a religious formula, to be committed to spiritual disciplines. That's what's taught to millions of believers that a person's confidence to relate to God is in their practice of the disciplines, in their participation in a small group, in their utilization of formulas and acronyms. And when we rely on acronyms and formulas and participation and disciplines to relate to God, then I've replaced, I've replaced Jesus with them. And I'm basically relating to God the way the people of Israel related to God, by an old and dead way, not a new and living way. The new and living way here is the New Testament of grace. That's the new and living way. It's, it's we live every day in the New Testament of grace. We live in the New Testament where we're fully forgiven forever and completely cleansed from all sin and totally righteous and at peace with God and where Christ dwells within us, that's the New Testament way. It's a living way. We live in this every single day that we wake up. Now, what's the old and dead way? If there's a new and living way, there was an old and dead way. And the old and dead way was the law of Moses. Jesus came to set people free from the old and dead way by establishing the new and living way. The old and dead way in AD 65 to the original reader of this book of Hebrews was based upon the continual death of animals. I mean, it really was an old and dead way. Animals died every single day to cover the sins of people. Jesus died one day for all sins, for all people to take away our sins completely. It was an old and deadly way. Blood was, was being shed every day in Jerusalem. And the writer of Hebrews is writing to tell the Jewish people, this old and deadly way is outdated since the cross has happened. This Old Testament is obsolete since the cross has happened. It's no longer in effect. Now, this old and deadly way, this ministry of death, is the law of Moses. I want to show you that specifically it's the Ten Commandments that's the old and deadly way. 
Now, the, the majority of believers have never been taught this. They'll defend the Ten Commandments like the Ten Commandments is what gives us life. No, the Ten Commandments produce death because one violation of the commandment, the penalty is death. Paul talks about morality in Ephesians. He writes on lying and he writes on adultery, but he doesn't put them in the form of law because law always has a penalty attached. Paul just educates to the church about morality, but he always establishes people in grace before he educates people about morality because the motivation for moral, a moral lifestyle is rooted in the good news of the cross of Jesus and the grace of Jesus. We find that in, in Scripture. I want to show us that the Ten Commandments is the old ministry of death. It brings death. It kills. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. You show that you're a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry. Our ministry there is Paul's ministry of the New Testament of grace that we've been talking about. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but written with the spirit of the living God, or the spirit of Jesus in us takes the truths of the New Testament of grace and writes those truths upon our hearts. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God not on tablets of stone, that's the Ten Commandments, but on tablets of the human hearts. So the Spirit of God writes the truths of the New Testament of grace on the hearts of believers. Paul says in verse 4, such confidence we have in this ministry of the New Testament of grace is through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence in communicating this New Testament of grace comes from God. Our ability to clearly communicate it, Paul said, comes from God, not from us. Verse 6, for God has made us competent, he and his missionary team that he's talking about specifically in these verses, he has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Now that goes back to Matthew 26. It goes to Luke 22, this New Testament of grace that Jesus shed his blood to establish where we have complete forgiveness and righteousness in Christ, where we've been reconciled to God, where this curtain has been torn in two. There is no separation between God and man now. We can't be out of fellowship with God. The, the curtain can't be zipped up and then unzipped based upon our continual confession of sins. It's been ripped in two. It's, it's not how we relate to God anymore. We are forgiven and we are in fellowship. Verse 6, God has made us competent as ministers of a New Testament. Not of the letter, he's referring to the Ten Commandments here. I'll show you that in just a minute. Not of the letter, but the Spirit. For the letter kills. So the old and deadly way is the ministry of the Ten Commandments. God has made us competent as ministers of a New Testament. That's the grace of Jesus. That's the cross of Jesus. It's the spirit of Christ living in us. He has not made us competent as teachers of the letter. That's the law of Moses. That's the Ten Commandments. But of the spirit, the spirit of Christ takes the New Testament and he writes those truths on our hearts. For the letter kills the old deadly way. For the letter kills but the Spirit gives life. 
The New Testament gives life. We've been made alive with Christ. That's New Testament truths. For the letter kills, that's the Ten Commandments, but the Spirit gives life. The indwelling presence of Christ in us brings us to life. We're made alive with Christ. Remember, one of the great problems of humanity is we're born spiritually dead. The problem of sin that caused death has been nailed to the cross, and now Christ comes to live in us, the bread of life, the bread going into us in the Lord's Supper or communion symbolizes we've been made alive with Christ. We've been given life. Spirit lives in us. Verse 7, now the ministry that brought death, what ministry brings death? He tells us, which was engraved in letters on stone. That's the Ten Commandments. If you want to look at how the Ten Commandments bring death, this week, go over to Romans chapter 7 and read verses 7 through verse 25. And you'll discover how the Ten Commandments brought death to a very religious man who delighted in the Ten Commandments, but the Ten Commandments that he delighted in brought death to him. And in his desperation, he cried out, who will deliver me from this body of death? The Ten Commandments have killed me. And I need to be rescued from the death of the Ten Commandments. The problem isn't the Ten Commandments. The problem, he couldn't obey the commandments. And they killed him. He broke the Tenth Commandment in his heart, which is breaking all of them in our hearts. He coveted. He, he broke the rest in his heart. And the Ten Commandments killed him. It was a ministry of death to him. But then the good news is in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that there is no death for those who are in Christ. There is no condemnation, meaning no death for those who are in Christ, that, that the law brings death and grace brings life. You can read about that in Romans 5, also what, 12 through 21. Verse 7, now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory as he brought the Ten Commandments down the mountain, transitory though it was, or fading away though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit, what's the ministry of the Spirit? The ministry of the Spirit is the New Testament of grace. That's why you can watch the lives of people immediately begin to change as the New Testament of grace is communicated. Because the Spirit begins writing on the hearts of the people the truths of the New Testament. It's like the two men on the road to Emmaus. They begin to recognize. They begin to see. Their eyes begin to be open. Something begins to happen within them as the New Testament of grace is explained. They come alive on the inside. Joy comes. Remember, the second fruit of the Spirit is joy. And that joy comes from an understanding of this New Testament of grace, of complete forgiveness and complete righteousness and Christ indwelling us. Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? Verse 9, if the ministry that brought condemnation, death, that's the Ten Commandments in context, that's the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? And he explains the content of this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. If anyone is in Christ, the Old Testament of the law is gone and the New Testament of grace has come. He's a new creation. He's forgiven. He's righteous. The spirit of Christ indwells him. The law of condemnation is gone and the new grace 
of salvation and, and forgiveness and righteousness has come. See, that's the new and living way compared to the old and deadly way. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to get these Jewish people in AD 65 to move away from the old and deadly way of the Old Testament of law, relating to God through the Ten Commandments, relating to God through the sacrifice of animals and all the different festivals and all that went into this Old Testament of law that was based upon death. And says, hey, come to the new and living way. Come to Jesus. Come to his blood. Come to his righteousness. Come to his forgiveness. Come to his life indwelling you. Come to his love for you. And it's a new and living way is that every single day you wake up and you live in this New Testament of grace, confident that you're forgiven and confident that you're righteous and confident you are at peace with God and confident that Christ lives in you all because of the blood of Christ and his resurrection and his spirit that now lives in you. That's the truth that the spirit of Jesus in you wants to write upon your heart. The new and living way for believers today so many believers are relating to God the way the Jewish people related to God. It's a conditional relationship. If I have my quiet time, if I pray, I remember talking to so many different people since I began teaching this way back in 1990. So many believers are living with a spirit of condemnation that they live in guilt. If they miss a quiet time, they live in guilt. If they're not practicing the disciplines, they feel bad because they promised God in January they would read through the Bible, and here it is, March, and they're already neglecting their Bible reading program. They're relating to God, not through the blood of Jesus, but through some kind of program, some kind of discipline, some kind of formula, some kind of promise that they've made to God. And they're reducing the power of the cross, but that's what they've been taught to do. They've been taught to relate to God based upon disciplines, based upon promises to God, based upon practices, based upon Bible reading programs, based upon daily confession of sins, based upon keeping short accounts on sin, based upon trying to stay in fellowship with God. And it's a deadly way. It just brings condemnation. For some people, it brings arrogance and it brings pride like it did the Pharisees. Look at me, how well I'm doing in the disciplines and the program and the Bible reading plan but they're still operating and relating to God based upon self rather than based upon what Jesus did at the cross. Whenever we relate to God based upon ourselves, it's only going to produce one of two things. It's going to produce pride. Look at how I'm doing in this system, or it's going to produce pity. I'm failing. And God, I'm sorry. I, I know you're disappointed in me because I made a promise to you in January that I would read my Bible this year. and I'm failing miserably. Please forgive me, God, for not reading my Bible. I mean, that's a deadly way to relate to God. God wants us to relate to him through this new and living way. That every day you wake up convinced and confident that you're loved and you're forgiven and you're righteous and there's nothing you have to do. It's not about the, I quit doing the disciplines years ago, probably around 1990, uh, I don't know, 1992, 1991, 1990, evidently, that's when it was. And if people want to practice the disciplines, fine. You're free. You're free to. You're free not to. But for me, freedom is just waking up every single day knowing I'm loved, I'm forgiven, I'm accepted, I'm righteous, I'm holy. I don't have to keep another account on sin the rest of my life because that sin account was nailed to the cross with Jesus. Freedom. I'm righteous. I call God Abba Father, my Father who loves me. 
And I enjoy this new and living way every single day. I used to feel so bad if I missed a quiet time and condemnation would weigh upon my shoulders all day long. And I promised God I'll do better tomorrow. Oh, I was missing. I was missing this new and living way. I was living in an old and deadly way. But that's what I'd been taught in the Christian ministry that I was a part of. It gave me a system rather than a savior. They believe salvation by grace through faith alone. They taught that. But then it's like, all right, now you got to get busy in discipleship. Discipleship was just an old and deadly way that was killing me until somebody taught me this New Testament of grace. I'll read a couple of verses as we wind up about this new and living way of relating to God. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13, 16, and 18 say this. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's the truth. You are close to God because of the blood of Christ. You'll always be close to God because his blood has forgiven all your sins and cleansed you from all sins. Sins what separated people from God. That's gone. That curtain was ripped into. And now you enjoy close personal relationship with God because of the blood of Christ. Let that be your confidence. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ to reconcile both of them to God, that's Jew and Gentile in context. doesn't matter who you are, what country you live in, what nation you live in, the blood of Christ, it doesn't care. It's, it doesn't matter. To reconcile both of them to God through the cross. That's where that bread was sitting in the tabernacle. That's where the body of Jesus was hung, on the wood. The bread of, of life was hung on this wooden cross with our sin debt. His blood poured out to forgive us of sins. And when like the, the road to Emmaus, these men sat down with Jesus, when our eyes see this, it's a new day. It's a new way of relating to God. And it's an amazing life-defining moment. Verse 18 of chapter 2, for through Jesus, through Jesus, not through my quiet times, not through my acronyms, not through my formulas, not through keeping short accounts on sins, but through Jesus, we have access to the Father. The Father loves us. We're loved by the Father. The Spirit of Christ lives in us. We have access to the Father by one Spirit. The Spirit of Christ lives in us and enables us to call God Father, our loving Father, the one who's forgiven us and who accepts us and who, who wants a relationship with us. And He doesn't make it hard. He's not requiring disciplines. God doesn't require spiritual disciplines. God doesn't require spiritual practices. God doesn't require formulas. God doesn't require reading the Bible through in a year. That's the ministry leaders of the church you go to or the ministry you're a part of. That's not God. So we don't want to confuse the two. Don't let anyone, Paul said in Galatians, don't let anyone put that bondage on you. You are free in Christ. Christ set you free to do what? To enjoy God as your loving father. That's Galatians chapter 4, 4 through 6. That is Romans chapter 8, verse 17. You've been set free. God's your, your loving Father now. Look at Ephesians 3, 12. We'll, we'll finish with this verse. In Jesus and through faith in Jesus, we may approach God or we may enjoy the presence of God with freedom and confidence. See, Jesus died to set you free from spiritual lists, 
from spiritual disciplines, from spiritual requirements, from acronyms, from formulas, from trying. He died to set you free. And his blood has purchased freedom for you because it's cleansed all of your sins and my sins. It's forgiven all of our sins. We're free now. We're free. Why? Because we're forgiven. We're righteous. We're at peace with God. There's no hoops to jump through. There's no disciplines to practice. It's all what he did for us at the cross, and we're free. So through Jesus and through faith in Jesus, not myself, in Jesus and through faith in him, we now enjoy the presence of God in freedom and confidence. Notice the source of our freedom and the source of our confidence in him, through faith in him. I'm trusting in him, not me. I'm relying on him, not me. So we looked at a while ago that when we focus on ourselves, it's going to lead to one of two places in our relationship with God. We're either going to be full of pity. I can't do it. We're going to be full of pride. Look at me and how well I am doing. That's the only two places that leads to when we focus on ourselves. When we focus on Jesus, it always leads to praise. Wow. Look what Jesus did for me. Jesus went to the cross for me. On a wooden cross, the bread of life hung for me. My sin account was nailed to the cross. My sin debt was nailed to the cross. I am forgiven. All my sins are forgiven. I've been made alive with Christ. And if you go back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul starts it off like this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he lists all the things that God did for us in Christ. So when we focus on what God did for us in Christ, I am forgiven. I am righteous. I am clean. I am pure because of Christ. I am enjoying this relationship with God because of Christ. It always leads to praise. Hey, I want to thank you for listening to this teaching today. If you enjoy these teachings, you may also enjoy the resources on my website, gracereach.org, and you may also enjoy my books, which are available on Amazon. I also have a YouTube channel and a Facebook page, and you can find the links to all my resources and the details of this podcast teaching. If you'd like to support my ministry in reaching more and more people with the good news of God's grace and teaching more and more people about His grace, click the donate button on the Grace Reach website, again, which is gracereach.org. Hey, thank you guys so much for listening to this teaching today. I pray that through these teachings, you are understanding the Bible more fully and you're understanding God's grace more clearly. Have a great day.